I want to speak to you today something that Lord has, ble- has uh, opened my eyes about and has given me a burden about in the local church, and that is strengthening our mind, strengthening our mind in the Lord, strengthening our mind. We are told every day by way of media, by way of social media, if you're on it, by way of anything that you stop and pay attention to, we are told a narrative on how and what and how we should think. And you and I need to realize as believers in the Lord Jesus, this is our filter, the Word of God. This teaches us how we're to think. So today I want to look at uh, how to fortify, how to strengthen our mind. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and then I'll turn to uh, Philippians chapter 4. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what that is, good, is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Before we go to Philippians chapter 4, let me point out some things in verse 2. The Bible says, be not conformed. That is, be not pressed into the world's mold. You have a choice. You have a choice and you can choose not to conform You can choose. In fact, when Paul's writing this to believers, he's writing to believers who obviously have been unbelievers. They have been born again by the grace of God. And Paul is simply saying in the original, it implies do not be conformed any longer. You have a choice. Notice also, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. That's where we get our English word metamorphosis. It means to be changed from the inside out. And he says, uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, That is in the present passive tense, and it means to be continually, keep on being transformed. Keep on growing, keep on excelling, keep on walking, keep on strengthening your mind in the Lord. Now, Philippians chapter 4, we want to look at verses 4 through 8. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 8, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, Whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. All of us in this room know that the human, uh, every human in this room is a tripartite being. Uh, That is body, soul, and spirit. The body allows us to interact with the physical world. The soul allows us to interact with the intellectual world and the emotional world. 
the Spirit allows us to interact with the spiritual world. And so without the body, we wouldn't have any contact with the world. Without the soul, we wouldn't have any ability to think or feel. Without the Spirit, we'd have no ability to commune with God. And so if we're saved, your spirit has already been made alive in Jesus Christ and you're sealed until the day of redemption, Ephesians 4 and verse 30. In other words, the body will drop away and be changed. The spirit has already been changed and what we're left with is the soul. The soul can also be called the mind. It is the seat of the intellect. It is the will. It is the emotions. It's where we think. It's where we feel. It's where we decide. It's also a place where all of our conflicts we face in daily life begin. You see, the mind is the ultimate battlefield. And that is where the devil wants to bring the battle to. He is seeking to control your mind. And everywhere I go and everywhere every family I see, I see to their shame. And God help us to our shame if it be so. We're ignorant of that fact that Satan wants to destroy our families. Satan wants to destroy this church. Satan wants to destroy your life. And so we must strengthen that. Now, if you don't believe Satan is trying to invade, influence and conquer your mind, all you have to do is turn on the TV and you'll see the filth, you'll see the lies, you'll see the elevating of sin, you'll see the mockery of God. Satan is out to destroy you, he's out to destroy your home, and he wants to do it in your mind. And I, for one, am quite tired of anyone trying to tell me how I should think. When I know that God is still alive and God is still on the throne and I don't need anyone to tell me how to think because God tells me how to think. I am a believer. This is my filter. We need to understand that the battle is raging. We need to understand that the battle is real. We need to understand that the battle is a spiritual battle. And since it's a spiritual battle, we must fight it with spiritual resources. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 3 through 5, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. How? First, it doesn't happen automatically. Certain steps have to be made. The Bible says from our text that we have just read, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13, Peter says, gird up the loins of your mind. As we take the step in 1 Peter to get a grip on the mind, we put, our, we put ourselves in a position to receive the ministry of the Lord as he renews the mind. The word transform in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 and the word renewed in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 23 are both passive voice. They are something to and in the child of God. 
And so if followed, these steps will help us to build a wall of protection around our minds and they will allow us, they will help us to achieve victory in the daily struggle we all face. The battle is real because Satan is real. But my friend, greater is he that is in you than is he that is in the world. I want you to notice in chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Uh, Paul commands the believer to rejoice. The word means to be glad. It's in the present tense. It's in the active voice. It's in the imperative mood. You say, what does all that mean? You don't have to know all that means, but it's something good for you. Listen to me. It means that the believer is commanded to go on being glad in the Lord. It means that the believer has the access, has the ability, has the opportunity, and graciously has the, the privilege to go on being glad in God. Now, look at the writer of this text. The author is the Holy Spirit. Paul is being used as the writer of the text, and he says rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. May I remind you, this is the same man who was beaten, he was spat upon, he was conspired against, he was shipwrecked, he was snake bitten, his life was threatened on more than one occasion, he was beaten with a rod, he was sentenced to prison, he endured Nero's prison and persecution beyond belief, yet every street corner he stood on was a pulpit, and every house he was in was his chapel, and he conquered Rome writing letters, and he stood in the face of Nero and he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He stood in the face of not only danger, he stood in the face of persecution, he stood in the face of Satan and he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. He had a face that would not blush. Now we need to get through this, Paul is saying, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Paul says you need, I need in 2020, I need to build a wall of praise. Paul found the energy, he found the necessary energy that he had in his mortal body to praise God for what he had done, prayed God for what he had brought him through, and praise God for the opportunity that he found himself in. He built that wall of praise. Even if the road's hard, remember he's planned your path. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He has promised to make all things work together for our good. We don't hardly believe that many times and we cannot understand it when we're in the middle of it. But my friend, everything that we go through is by the hand of God. He approves everything. And not only that, he has his hand on the thermostat. And I'm hot right now and I wish somebody would have their hand on the thermostat. But anyway... Us fat boys, we sweat a lot. Somebody says, you haven't been in a while and have th things have changed, haven't you? I say, yeah, your pastor's hair got grayer and mine just gone. I believe in the rapture and mine just went on. Pre-trib rapture, you know, out of here. Paul says you must build a wall of praise. Rejoice in the Lord always. My friend, if Paul can rejoice, we can rejoice. Notice with me in verse 5, he says, build the wall of patience. 
the word moderation in verse 5. He says, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Build a wall of patience. The word moderation literally means gentle or gracious spirit. It actually means being sweetly reasonable. I don't know about you, but I'm not always sweetly reasonable. Some would say it's rare. <laughs> but Paul says, let your moderation, let your, general, gener, uh, your gentleness, your gracious spirit. It has the idea of being patient with others. Of giving way to the rights and the wishes of others in this life. It does not mean to compromise. It does not mean to compromise in doctrine. It does not mean that at all. But it does mean that you will have a willingness to take the back seat in favor of other people. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4, Paul said, Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. Paul is saying that the reality of our faith should be demonstrated in how we deal with other people. If the focus of our lives is on ourselves, then when people hurt us, and they will, when people slight us, and they will, when people cross us, and they will, there will be a desire that comes from our heart to retaliate and to get vengeance. And Paul wants us to get the focus off of ourselves and get it on other people. It blessed my soul to see people come to the altar during that special music. And then it blessed my soul abundantly to see other people forget what they were doing at their own pew and come and be with their family. You and I are a family. And I can tell you, this place makes me feel at home. The bottom line is this, if we can learn to live in genuine contentment, then it doesn't matter what anyone says or does. The mind will be protected from the evil it likes to find in others. Listen, the devil loves nothing better than to get your eyes off Jesus and to focus it on the fault of others. The flesh loves nothing better than to go along with the devil in the matter. And when it happens, the mind's in danger. You're in danger. You're going to miss church. You're going to fall away from the, the fellowship of God. You're going to miss the reading of the Word of God. You're not going to lose your salvation, but you will lose your fellowship with Jesus. And you will lose your fellowship with your fellow believer. My friend down here on earth, that's worth a lot. That's just about worth everything. Notice with me, verses 5 through 7, Paul says, let's build a wall of prayer. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. Be anxious. Be worrisome for nothing. Uh, you know what nothing means in the Greek? Nothing. I mean, literally, it means no thing. No thing. But in everything. Now, now that sounds like a contrast, Paul. But be careful for nothing but in everything. Do you know what everything means? It's the Greek word pleroma. And it means anything, everything imaginable. Anything you can think of. Anything you can imagine. Bring it to God. God's interested in the small details. 
Woke up this morning, and I walked out the door, and the first thing I was hitting the forehead was with one of those old stink bugs. You cannot swat those and squash those on your forehead or you will stink. It will be a form of cologne you cannot shed. Some of you are wearing it this morning. I smell it. But I got to thinking about that thing. God paid attention to the details. God's interested in details. Be careful for nothing but in everything, by prayer and supplications, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth, passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Verse 6 warns against the dangers of worry. The word careful has the idea of anxiety. We know all about that. We experience it daily. It refers to a state of mind of being agitated during events and circumstances of life. Now there's nothing wrong with having concern, but we have our concerns about certain things. And, and it is when your concerns have you that the problems begin to arise. And worry is so dangerous and it's so easy to do. Worry says, you know, God can't handle this. Worry can even say, insinuate from us, God's just completely dead to this. I've heard people say, if there is a God, He obviously doesn't care about me or my situation. Not so at all. Because He is the chief executive officer and nothing enters my life without His approval. And when I go through that, He's leading me. And when I can't walk anymore, He's carrying me. Peter said, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Now notice with me in verse 5, the Bible says the Lord is near. Not just His second coming, but He is always near to His children. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 the Lord will never, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Verse 6, notice that. Be careful for nothing, and in, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Supplication being petitions before God. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Exercise the tool of prayer. Paul speaks of prayer, supplications, and requests. These might be thought of, you may think of prayer as general praying. When my wife says, I, I, I want to go somewhere and, eat, and get something to eat. I say, can you be more specific? I'm not sure. What do you want? Hamburger. I don't want that. Spaghetti. I'll never eat it. I'm not chasing noodles around. Just give me the meat sauce. I have no idea why anybody ever invented a noodle. It's not of God. I say be more specific. Jack Hudson, which I understand you're related to. Jack Hudson several years ago told a story about him praying in a very young pastor in the, in the 60s and he was being invited to a preacher's meeting and he was praying with other preachers and the preachers came in and of all people who were speaking in the conference who had time to get there early was John R. Rice. 
who wrote the book, Asking Prayer, Asking and Receiving. And of all people who was called on to pray, Jack Hudson was asked to pray. And Jack said he thought he was going to impress everybody. He said, wasn't that silly? Thought he was going to impress everybody praying. And he prayed about all the missionaries of the world. Bless all the pastors of the world. Bless all the pastors and the ministers represented. He said after about 30 minutes, he felt like everybody fell asleep or just bailed out on him. He quit praying. He said, Jesus' name, amen. Said Dr. Rice come over and shook his hand and said, Son, next time be more specific. I believe we need to be specific in praying. If I need a car payment, God, I am yours. You are my father. I may have gotten myself into this, but God, can you see your way to help me out? You say, well, that's just praying when you're in a bind. Hey, I'm in a bind all the time. I need prayer. God knows that we are but dust. The main thrust of this verse is that instead of worrying, the believer is to demonstrate his faith in the power and will of God by seeking Him in prayer. The older I get, I sure didn't know this when I was younger. If I ever write a book, the only book I ever want to write is this. Things I wish people, preachers had told me when I was a young preacher. Chapter 1. Shut up. I thought I had the answers to anything and didn't, wasn't even sure about all the questions. The older I get, the more I realize your ministry and my ministry is not built on, showis, on, on flashy or showism, showmanship. Your ministry and I, my ministry is built on our knees. The only way to go up with God is to go down. And the Lord's promise to us is that He will replace our worries with His peace. Verse 7, And the peace of God. There's the peace of God and peace with God. You'll never have peace of God until you make peace with God. Verse 6 is making peace with God. Verse 7 is when you get the peace of God. Which passeth all understanding. That means when your family comes up and says, I don't know why in the world he's so happy. He just lost his job. Which at the end of 2019 actually happened to me. My role at a church had ended. Not by my own accord and not for cause. Not for anything like that. We're leaving on good testimony. But my family is like, why are you not concerned? And you know what? I'm a little concerned that I'm not too concerned. (laughs) That's the peace of God that passeth all understanding. People can't grasp. People can't understand it because it's that peace of God. The Lord's promise to us is that He will replace our worries. Now, notice with me in verse 7. And we're closing. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds. Hearts and minds. Paul said you need to build a wall of praise. You need to build a wall of patience. You need to build a wall of prayer. Keep your hearts and minds. When we come to God and when we pray to God, guess what? The word keep there.
It means to garrison. It means to build a fort around. It means to post a guard. The God, uh, the God of heaven has promised to post a guard around the heart and mind of every person who trusts in Him with the needs of life. I believe the Bible, and I believe that's what that teaches. I believe that God will do that. I believe that God is doing that. And instead of worrying ourselves sick about things, well, what's going to happen in 2020? What in the world is going to happen in the, in the world today? What's going on with Iran? What's, what's going on? Who are we going to, what's going on in, uh, in the world and, and, and Washington and, and Raleigh? I don't have to be concerned with that. Aware? Yeah. Worried? Absolutely not. Because God's in control. Nothing happens without Him okaying it. Nothing happens without Him ordering it. And for those that are just filled with hate against a sitting president, no matter who it is, this is not a political statement, this is a scriptural statement, God orders the leaders over nations. Whether we like them or whether we don't, whether you voted for them or whether we don't, it doesn't matter. God's in total charge of everything in the world. Nothing's ever occurred to Him. He's never had a forethought. He's never had an afterthought. He's God. Close with verse 8. I know I just said I was closing. It really don't mean much, but anyway. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure... Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Paul says, you need to build a wall of purity. You know the purest thing in the earth today? The purest thing in the atmosphere, in the hemisphere, in the environment, the purest thing in the world is the Word of God. This Word is pure. John 17 and verse 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy Word is truth. I love the old songs. I love the old Bible. Don't ever change it. Since the Bible is true, everything that it says fits within the categories that Paul has mentioned in verse 8. It's honest. That is, it's honorable. It's just, that means it's right. It's pure, it's holy, it's clean, it's lovely, it's beautiful. It's of good report, that is, it's of good re reputation. It's full of virtue, that is, it's, it's excellence. And it's praise. It's that which tends toward worship is praise. What we have here is Paul's call to fixate our minds upon the things of God. And the source for finding out about those things are in the Word of God. If it's not in here and does not teach it about God, it is not so. Now I know that sounds like a hillbilly and a cop-out statement. But I say that upon the authority of the Word of God. He is not in the business of giving open revelation today. This is the complete Word of God. And if you want a stable, if you want a fixed mind, the only place to get it is in the Word of God. 
And we're to take that initiative. We're to force the mind to dwell on the Bible and, when it, and what it says. Instead of following the mind to run to evil or run to gossip or others and what they're doing or about our problems, we saturate our minds upon the Word of God. Guess what? We'll have a stable mind. A stable mind. Closing, look with me in chapter 3. That's the third closing. Chapter 3, and we'll look at verse 17, and this will take us home. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example, or example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell ye even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. God's saying here that these people, their shame, the things that they're doing is shameful, and they're actually glorying in that. They, they call their shame their glory. For our conversation, our citizenship, is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to this, the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Look at verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior. The Greek connotation of look for there is tiptoe anticipation. The implication is this. I'm looking so far over the horizon that I'm on my tiptoes. Tiptoe anticipation. I want to be able to see Him when He comes. So much, I want to stand on my toes so I can see Him. That's what it means. But I don't have to stand on my toes because he's going to shout with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. What a glorious day. You think you require something now. You just wait to glory. The reason why we won't be in our human bodies, we can't take it. It'll be awesome. Folks, I love you. Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to pray and turn it over to the pastor. Father, we love you.